Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, mate. Hello, there. How are you doing? Um, welcome all to Book Corner with me, the Gabby Cabby, and Andy from My Football Books. You're sounding much more clearer. You sound really muffled earlier, so let's start again. <laughs> what a month it's been, and it's been four weeks since part one of our I new know. venture, Book Corner. It flew by, hasn't it? Yes, and uh, it's got colder as well in those four months. Four, well, even last week, it's got colder as well, so, so all of a sudden, with the uh, hour going back, etc., as well, it's got darker, colder, but the football season's really getting into gear now, of course, isn't it, as well, so... Uh, as we get up to that Christmas period, which is uh, suddenly coming up. so But yeah, all good. Thank you very much. How are yourself? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Andy. And the Christmas period that's coming up means there's going to be some wonderful publications coming out because yeah. Christmas is the ideal time for football books and releases of football books. Um, let's just, if people didn't listen to the first episode, part one. Let's just yep. rewind a little bit and <laughs> briefly tell everybody about you and how you became myfootballbooks.com, the number one football book company on, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the planet. Thank you very much. So, yeah, it came about where, um, yeah, so it, it all started last year, as I suppose, as one of the... Uh, I suppose one of the, I don't know if you said positives to come out of COVID, but I, um, yeah, I was furloughed with my company uh, and uh, suddenly found a bit more time on my hands. Um, so I could do all my favourite hobby, reading football books, and I was reading more and more. And then quickly, from a conversation with my wife, pretty much, <laughs> started talking about um, why don't you recommend books to other people? And that's where the website kind of came from there. And my football books has kind of grew from there, really, to uh, hopefully as a platform, which is very much the overriding thing for me was to provide something where it would potentially help people when they're looking for a new football book, want to know about the new you know releases, what's coming soon, books about uh, their favourite player, team, etc. So, uh and it's really evolved from there, yeah. So what, what, almost a year, well, just over a year or so in now. Uh, and uh, it's been great feedback I've had. And yeah, I've got lots of messages, which is great as well, from even football writers, which is amazing. And I see um, some like uh, people are sharing some tweets as well, which is always nice. You know, the likes of Gary Lineker shared a tweet from herself last week. <laughs> so, Was that a listable? It wasn't those. One of his books. It was about. Um, it's match of a day. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And a classic yeah. one of his books coming up to be, uh, Christmas. Actually, I think it's the top ten of everything or top yeah. ten debates. Yeah. So yeah, he retweeted that, and so did Alan Shearer as well. So it's just little things like that just make you think. Oh, that's great, isn't it? So, uh, but yeah. So my football books is very much that. So uh, it's to share. Yeah. 
uh, recommended books and for like-minded people who have a love of football, really, and a love of reading as well. And you can subscribe to uh, myfootballbooks.com. So, guys, go and check out the website. It's an absolutely fantastic website that you've built yourself. And also, you've got some merch on there, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Your mugs and your book, uh, um, what they call where your bookmarks, where you stick in the book. Your bookmark is still on page 111 of Grandad What Was Football Like in the 70s. Because yeah, anybody that knows me knows that I am the worst reader in the world. I think it stems (laughs) from my time in school. All we done in English was argue about Birmingham City and Aston Villa. So I blame my villain friends for that. (laughs) Excellent. No, yeah, got the yeah. So there's a bookmark and yeah, I do uh, a mug as well. So uh, I I do the photos that I share on um, social media, on Facebook, Twitter, etc. I purposely always put the mug there kind of thing. So, uh, and it was just for myself, really. And then someone asked me about, do you actually sell mugs? And that's where it really started. So I know where you can buy them if you wish as well. So uh, uh, a perfect Christmas gift coming up. So there you go, there's a plug. Uh, And a bookmark to go with it. So when you're in your book, you're on what page 111, you don't want to get lost and you've got a bookmark instead of creasing it. So uh, obviously you can crease a page, don't you? But... And you're ruining the quality, aren't you, Gabby? Absolutely. <laughs> and the quality <laughs> of your merch is top draw because you designed the icons yourself. You've pretty much done everything yourself. And it is absolute pocket. It's quality. Thank you. You did talk about reading books <clears throat> this, this month. What books have you actually read this month? I've, I've said I haven't actually read a page, although I've got Terry <laughs> Curran because Book Corner has grown out of the book corner that we do on the current view. And I've got yeah. Terry Curran buying books and reading football books as well now. Yeah, excellent. I heard him say, actually, uh, of our book, uh, it's the about Welsh football, Drew. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so what books have I read this? Um, so I've read, um, there's a couple I've added up to my newsletter this month, 71-72, Football's Great Season. Have you read it? Uh, oh, brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. If you're a fan of the 70s, uh, which I think you are. Oh, yep. it's a must-read, absolutely. And just well, he, he's subtitled "The Football's Great Season," and I think he's done justice to it. I think the answer is yes. In terms of when you just think of it, well, uh, without ruining it for people, if anyone doesn't know it, what the season it was, you only need to look at the league table at the end of it. In terms of I think there's one point. Uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. remind myself now. Yeah, one yeah, point one between point. the top four, and of course it was Brian Clough's uh, Derby County's first one. But it took them to uh, yeah win the league that season when it was two points for a win. Of course, I mean, I've got it here: Derby of fifty-eight, Leeds fifty-seven, Liverpool fifty-seven, Manchester City fifty-seven. So literally one point between them all. Yeah. So, um, but oh, brilliant read, really great read. And uh, I must admit, actually, the forward really kicks it off as well. It's by John Motson. Yes, it is. Yeah, and um, he really brings it to to life in terms of uh, how. Great that suit because it was the starting point for his career. Because if you remember, he commentated yeah. on that famous Ronnie Radford goal. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. So Harrison. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So he does the forward of it. But no, brilliant book that one. And similarly, um, that kind of era as well, like the European Cup, the Undisputed by yep. Stephen Scrag. Yep. So read that as well the, this month. Great read. Great trilogy of books he's done, Stephen Scrag, on all the. He did the one on the European Cup Winners' Cup, then the UEFA Cup, and now the European Cup. So when it was 
Well, it was uh, properly Champions Europe, not Champions League as it is now, Gabby. Absolutely. So, uh, and yeah. a wonderful trilogy that Stephen's got. And you yeah. can listen to Stephen on their uh, regular podcast, These Football Times, with mm. Stuart Orsfield and Gary Thacker. Really is a very, very enjoyable listen. Uh, going back to the 1971-72 book, Football's Greatest Season, I'm loving the cover. Uh, you've yeah. got Rodney Marsh. I don't know what Rodney Marsh is. If you had one of them blurp things, I don't know what would come <laughs> out of Rodney's mouth there because he looks very confused as Rodders. you got Kevin Keegan in the tank top with Shanks. Shanks is smiling there. and So they've obviously uh, had a conversation. Looks like Colin Todd. Uh, Toddy in the uh, top yeah, left-hand corner. Derby, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Brian Clough with that. That unassuming smirk on Cloughy's face. Yeah. Reavy yeah. looking really in thought there, Don Reavy. And I've got to say, uh, Don Reavy, the biography by Christopher Evans, uh, published by Bloomsbury, is out now. And that is a, yeah. a tremendous read. Again, it's another book that I may read um, in probably not months, but years to come. But I do love <laughs> to buy these books for reference because... I I just get so excited by looking at a football book, and I just, yeah. I'm, I'm spoiled. Well, what one do I read first, and then I make podcast. And I have made a podcast with Daniel Abraham, who wrote this wonderful book. Oh, um, brilliant! Yeah, you oh, can get it on our SRB media pages, or uh, on we have got a chapter of my life one on Twitter and on Facebook as well, and I've rejigged it now, Book Corner. So if you, you check us out, and uh, let's have a reference to your social media uh, while we're talking yeah. about that, how people can link up with you. Yeah, so uh, on the, on Twitter, it's quite straightforward. My my football books, uh, I passed the 5,000 follower mark as well, so I'm not sure if that's an achievement or not, but uh, yeah, so it was quite... A, it's it's um yeah so it's hit that mark and on um Facebook I should know this off the top of my head Gabby I'm pretty sure it's my football books as well on yeah, there it is, yeah. Uh, yeah. off the top of my head yeah. so and I'm also on Instagram for uh, for the younger generation so uh, well, it seems to be the younger generation use Instagram as well so uh, I'm on there so there are three platforms um, I have thought about doing some uh, things on YouTube as well but uh, we'll see further down the line maybe. Yeah, I've never had great no. success on YouTube or Instagram, no. to be fair. It seems to be for a younger audience and the robots pick up what the robots want to pick up. But again, on yeah. this cover, Billy Bremner picked up the uh, the FA Cup and Peter yeah. Dobin's picking up the League Cup as well. And I yeah. love the picture. Uh, as soon as you turn the pages over, there's Billy and Alan uh, dancing, you could say, orchestrating... Both getting up off the off the floor <laughs> when they've probably had a punch up, but Billy Bremner's got a smile on his face, and you can tell by the way that the the pictures caught Borley that Borley's smiling as well. <laughs> no, absolutely. And well, both wearing Adidas well. boots. Both wearing Adidas yeah. boots. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, the great. Uh, not like your pink ones and all colour colours kind of you get nowadays. Eh? So. Uh, I love the picture actually on the inside of the the back as well. So it's all the muddy pictures, isn't it? So it's when uh, well, it's pretty pretty much when football with football money didn't rule the game, etc. And it's just uh, yeah. Well, I think it's and quite appropriate think, because it's the Manchester derby there, isn't it? It is. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. And Alex Stepney, it looks as though the ball's going to hit the bar and go in. I don't know the <laughs> score, but it's obviously the 71-72 season. And yeah. uh, both teams, we have to say, in, in at that time were littered with fantastic players. Although United oh, yes. were just coming down and... Um, I suppose you could argue City's best days were behind them, but both cracking sides littered with fantastic players. So, guys, 1971-72, football's greatest season by Daniel Abrahams, forward by John Motson. I had the great pleasure of doing a podcast with um, Pat Howard, who played in that game. And oh, he, right. Yeah, there's a ball whistled past Pat's ear. He thought, mm-hmm. hang on, that's got half a chance of going in. And uh, sure enough, Ronnie Radford's strike did it at the back of the net. And it was goal of the season as well, wasn't it, that season in 71-72 season? And Motti only got yeah. that gig because somebody was ill. That's it, yeah, that's it. I think he mentions that and he's forward about that story as well. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all by chance, isn't it, how you get these opportunities. So... Uh, but he's just an iconic goal, isn't he? You've got the players running on the pitch, etc. And he's got his... Yeah, it was a classic muddy pitch as well, wasn't it? Against New, was it Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle on oh. that day. So uh, you see him all running on the pitch and the park is on and what have you. So uh, the must-have jacket at the time. Again, the, the sem- cold afternoons. Yeah, the <laughs> 70s, the halcyon days, the golden age of football, in my opinion. That's my, I wouldn't say... Um, period of of expertise because I'm no expert but it's my my period of indulgence I I love that period and it brings me nicely to a book I just want to uh, bring up yeah yeah just on a podcast with Kenny Hibbett um oh yes and we've we talked about on another project that I do game of my life Mm. when we take a trip down memory lane and revisit a iconic moment or game of the uh, of the 70s probably late 60s the 70s and maybe even the early 80s and Kenny recalls scoring that wonderful goal at uh, Burnham Park on the 7th, 14th of May 1977 that ultimately promoted Nottingham Forest and as yeah. a consequence Bolton Wanderers didn't go up that season but they did the season after and Kenny's book Seasons of My Life with Tim Nashon, forward by John Richards. I mean, what a player John Richards was yeah, as well. Yeah. And what a team Wolverhampton Wanderers were back in the Oh, 17th. absolutely. Yeah, he was, uh, I know he was nominated in, because uh, I know I've got a few fans, Wolverhampton fans. Uh, he was nominated in the Wolver- Wolverhampton Wanderers Hall of Fame, I remember, about 10 yeah. years back. Uh, Kenny Hibbert, wasn't he? So he, I think he had over 500 appearances. Derek Parkins, yeah, Derek Parkins made the most appearances for Wolverhampton Wanderers, right. and uh, and Kenny is second. They both arrived yeah. in 1968, and Bill McGarry spent a few quid when he uh, he took over from Ronnie Allen and spent it very wisely, and uh, they reaped the benefits. Got to the European Cup, but well, European Cup, yeah. the UEFA Cup, which was the That's first all English European final tie in uh, 1972. Yeah, yeah, they played Spurs. Uh, Martin yeah. Chivers had a large say in what went on in the two legs there and the cup ultimately <laughs> ended up at White Hart Lane and not the Molyneux. And of course in 1974, 
beat Manchester City in the league cup and Mike Bailey proudly paraded the FA Cup that day around Wembley. But great manager, Bill McGarry. Great yeah. times at Wolverhampton. And Kenny was telling me what a wonderful coach and then manager Sammy Chung was. Is there a football oh. book about Bill McGarry? Is he a manager that's that's got a book out? Ooh, it doesn't ring a bit of bell, but no. I, 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 it'd be one to be an interesting read, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, uh, it doesn't ring a bell, but you find these some books that um, there's a lot of books that come out in a certain sort of periods, certainly around this time of year as well. Mm. So I'm sure it, it may well be out there somewhere. So it's probably something worth digging out, and probably you give me a bit of a task, Gabby, to see if there is one. So I'll have a look. <laughs> so, and I'm uh, guessing there wouldn't be probably if Bill McGarry wrote it, it wouldn't be that thick. Because he wasn't a man of many words, Kenny told me. In fact, yeah. he hardly spoke to the players. But um, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 sure his his upbringing, his grounding, and his yeah. um his legacy that he left in football is an indelible mark. And that's certainly in my lifetime, Wolverhampton Wanderers' greatest manager. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, what a team they were at the time, weren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And then, they're obviously doing well now back in the Premier League, aren't they, as well? But, uh, yeah, it's fabulous. And Molyneux in those days, well, it, now kind of thing, it was a fantastic ground as well, isn't it? That still atmosphere can't spell it. Yeah, Oh, yeah. It's, still yeah. can't spell it. Where do you put the U and the X? And, yeah, I know yeah. you mean. <laughs> it's one of them, isn't it? It is one of them yeah. words that I really do struggle to spell, <laughs> Molyneux. <laughs> but it was a fortress in the 70s. And I did talk about yeah. Book Corner uh, that we do on the uh, uh, the current view, and our podcast has grown out of that. And you do give a recommendation, and you do more than that as well, because on this day usually <laughs> centres yeah. around one of your books that, that, that you do, because you don't just put books out, you put books of now, books of then, and players or managers that have birthdays or sadly passed. Yeah. You put them out as a tribute. For instance, Ian Wright, it was his birthday the other day, and you put it out for Wrighty. Yeah. And uh, Ron Saunders as well. And uh, the odd man out, the fascinating story of Ron Saunders' reign at Aston Villa yeah, by Graham Denton. Denton. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, one of the books that you uh, you recommended this week. Uh, sorry, this month. Also, Football's 50 Most Important Moments by Ben Jones and Gareth Taylor. Yeah, yeah. The fantastic, yeah. yeah. The Outsider History of the Goalkeeper by Jonathan Wilson and the magical Maggie as the Rise and Fall of oh. the World's Once Greatest yeah. Football Teams by David Bailey. So let's start there in Hungary and we yeah. will talk about that great book by David Bailey and it actually is one of the books that I've read. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Brilliant ball by Dave Bailey, yeah. So, well, well, what a team to write about as well. Yeah. So, uh, um, there's also a book, I think you'll all still remember, the names heard long ago by Jonathan Wilson, but, uh, yeah, both excellent books. And what, well, what a team. It was uh, in the 1930s, wasn't it? It was the golden era when uh, Hungary first came about. Uh, and I know it's going to be one of the books you'll talk about as well. So, the, the influence of Jimmy Hogan um, on, on these teams around that time, but, Oh, they're great stories, and uh, what, what, what a team, really. It culminated very much around that match, the classic, the match of the century, when England beat, uh, sorry, Hungary, of course, beat England at the Wembley. 
in uh, 1953. Was it 6-3 as well? Yeah, they beat us 6-3. And then the English yeah. press, being as arrogant as they always have been, yeah. pretty much said it was a fluke. So the Hungarians mm-hmm. invited England over to Budapest in 1951. Yeah. And they beat us 7-1. To prove that it was no fluke, Hungarian football of the 50s was alive and kicking. In fact, they got to the final of the 1954 World Cup. Yeah. And they got beat by West Germany. They beat West Germany 8-3 in a pool game. So they had pools they in did. those days, didn't they? Yeah, and, they did. And um, Puskas was injured during the tournament, come back for the final, had a goal disallowed, and it's called The Miracle of Bern. There's actually a film in German yeah. about that, um, that, that, that game where uh, West Germany beat Hungary 3-2. Yeah. There's... And, and it's not an allegation, it is an actual fact that the Germans had something at half-time, but apparently <laughs> it wasn't uncommon. Quite a few teams did do that. But, um, An injection of some sort, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. whether yeah. it was performance-enhancing, we, we don't know. <laughs> Nothing is proven. We don't know yeah. whether Puskas' goal should have stood, whether it was offside or not, because... I believe there was a, a blackout for a few seconds while Puskas <laughs> made contact and then the TV cameras come back uh, on and you watch the ball go over the line. So you can call it what you will. I will say it was a conspiracy. I believe yeah. that Hungary should have won the 1954 World Cup final. And I don't think it was the miracle of Bern. I think it was... A cheat in Bern. Well, when the Hungary were two 0 up, wasn't they yeah, as well at that yeah. time? So, yeah, uh, yeah and uh, well, yeah, and the fact that they thrashed them, not just beaten, they thrashed them in the yeah. uh, in the, the the group match, didn't they? Eight Germany three. did make a few changes, to be fair, mm. to them in mm. in that first game, but uh, yeah, Hungary did smash them um, eight three, <laughs> and and Hungary of the fifties. Anybody that does know the football were. Different class, it's fair to say. Absolutely different class. Should have been world champions. They were Olympic champions. And I was listening to a yeah. podcast with uh, Dominic Bliss, David Bolsheva, and oh, yes. Jonathan Wilson the other day yeah. talking about the magical Magyars. They were also, I'm going to bring another book into play here as well, because we're going to stay on that theme for some time. Uh, Bella Gutman. Uh, the oh, greatest yeah. comeback from genocide to football glory. And um, yeah. Jonathan Wilson was, was on that podcast as well. Three absolute gems of of journalism yeah. that, that really know this stuff. Right, fantastic pieces of work. And it's an education just listening to those fellas as well. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan Wilson, when the, that book, the names heard long ago, it was yeah. 15 years in the making of that book, uh, from really? pretty much the start of the year. So uh, he did books in between during that. So, uh, uh, and yeah, it's uh, you can tell from the way it's written as well, as he obviously really put on soul into the book as well. So, but it was, um, yeah, he's a, he's a classic football historian anyway. Um, and you've got the last of David Bolter as well. But that, that particular book, the names heard long ago, it actually starts off in the, First chapter where he goes and visits the grave uh, of the does, yeah. yeah of the uh, manager whose name is going to escape Debe. me at the moment. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, uh, but uh, uh, what great writers aren't they? So, and uh, Bella Gutman though, what a story that is. 
what a story. So, you know, in terms of, um, I always think of um, Billy Goodman now when I think about when he was obviously, he was the Holocaust survivor, well, survivor, wasn't he? So, uh, and then went on, you know, to be such a great manager at Benfica. And then he famously, um, when they won the European Cup, he put a curse. I'm sure you've heard the story, but he put a curse on uh, when he when he ended, basically after he won the European Cup, he asked for the board of directors for a let's say a slight increase, not nothing dramatic from what we from what we gather uh, in terms of his wages, and they rejected it. So he put a curse on the club for a hundred years, uh, which has stayed true to this day. Uh, and it's actually even a great story in the 1990 uh, European Cup final when Benfica played uh, AC Milan. Um, the, I think on the eve of the game it was, is Sadio. Yep. He uh, actually visited uh, Bella Gutman's grave, asking for forgiveness or one way or another. It didn't work, so because uh, AC Milan won 1-0. Um, but it's just one of those... It's, I love little stories about that. And it just really links it back to what a, well, what a story and what a individual Bella Gutman was. And it was uh, Bella that yeah. bought um, Zabio to Benfica, wasn't it? Because he got it contacts was. from Brazil. I mean, Bella yeah. Gutman was one of these coaches that played ever. I didn't realise because um, he was over there in America in the 20s. And in the first World Cup of 1930, America finished third. I didn't realise that the Americans played well, would have been professional yeah. football in those days. I didn't realise there was a league in the in the twenties in America, but there yeah. was, and it was only the uh, the Wall Street crash really that that stopped the Americans playing football. And before yeah. Bella went to manage uh, Upestosa, he he was in America, but his love for football took him back over to Hungary and managed yeah. them in nineteen thirty nine to the title. And then, of course, it, it it all broke out. The 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 Nazi invasion and the occupation in Hungary comes later than what it did in several other uh, countries. Yeah. But um, but Bella and um, Erbstein, yeah, Egri Erno Erbstein. I mean, he is an absolute mouthful. But those two were very connected, those Hungarian coaches. And Bella went on, both survived the Holocaust, and Bella took Benfica. You're right. In the book, actually, I was listening to David talk, and he dismisses that Bella actually put a curse on Benfica. He He does say something, but he does dismiss that it was a, a curse that he put on. But it's a great story. We all love a curse story. Yeah. We all and, love a story as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have ordered um, from the Blizzard um, Dominic Blissey's book about um, Erbstein. Because yeah. I think yeah. that those two boys, they were pretty much in turn. They were going from camp to camp. Ultimately, their destination was Auschwitz. And they decided yeah. to do a bunk do a runner and both yeah. got free and when you look at what they did after the war because Erbstein was uh, a coach at uh, El Grande Torino before the war but then when he come back he come back as manager and he took them to unbelievable heights and I would yeah. say to this day 
El Grande Torino are the greatest football team ever to play football anywhere on earth. Yeah, I don't think many people will argue with that. I think a lot of people agree with that as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so much connection in there to the, their two stories. Yeah. So, uh, but just going back to that book, David, but it's just, a, you know, he's one of these great writers that can tell a great story. But in terms of, um, yeah, I'm just, sorry, I'm just thinking about when you were saying about when um, he was literally hiding, like, in the, in the attic yeah, near yeah. Budapest, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, it was, yeah. There's, there's thousands. Mm. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Mm. And um, obviously, the men escaped that. Um, his father, and I think his sister and his wider family were all murdered as mm. well. And, you know, it's just incredible. But, yeah, those two, yeah. Um, their story's kind of interlinked, isn't it? And also, of, we... Uh, we, we yeah, we, we, we cannot... Got the disaster, haven't you? If I remember, of the Vitrino team. Yeah, that was on the fourth of May, nineteen forty-nine. Mm. Uh, Torino and the tragedy of Supergar, when they were they were playing against. Um, got no idea. It was Benfica. I've got no idea. It was Benfica. They played in. Um, it was a testimonial. Yeah, they were coming home from Lisbon. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were coming home from Lisbon. Yeah, yeah it sure was Benfica. Were. Yeah, because yeah, the, it was. the first team after the tragedy was River Plate, and there's been that love between River Plate and Torino yeah. ever since. But um, yeah, they were they were coming back. They were allowed to go and play there because they'd almost won the Italian Championship. It was almost yeah. sewn up, and yeah. on the way back, they they decided to go to. Another airport. They, yeah. They, I think they changed whether they, whether they got some stuff that they shouldn't have excess baggage, cigarettes, alcohol, yeah. etc. We we don't yeah. really know, but um, the, the 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 it was foggy uh, that night as they were flying yeah. back, and they hit the um, the Basilica on the uh, yeah. on the mountains. Didn't they? The wing just clipped it. And uh, they yeah. all died on that uh, that mountain top, and ten players famously played for uh, for Italy in that uh, Torino side. They were the most unbelievable football team ever, captained by the great Valentino Mazzola, whose son yeah. uh, Sandro was one of the well captain. Was it no forget? I think Forchetti was the captain, but he was certainly. Uh, the playmaker of the El Grande uh, inside that uh, conquered Europe in the sixties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, just a, just a tragic story again, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it is. I, when I think about there's a, the, I always it's just, there's a, I don't know if you recall, it was the uh, it's the Brazilian team, I think it was Jack Casey, yeah, the, yeah, um, yeah. the triumph and tragedy of them. It was on the, I think again, it was on the eve of the their biggest game in their career. Yeah. Well, their biggest game in their history, wasn't it? And they, they crashed, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I, think I think if I remember rightly, the plane ran out of their fuel. There's actually a book, of, there's a book called Triumph and Tragedy by Stephen Bell okay. uh, around that team, which is, a, it's a, again, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's an uplifting story and a sad story to sell at the same time. It just reminds me, similar to, to the, you know, the Gran Torino story. Um, but um, and in fact that that particular one they because they obviously yeah the team they were playing against National I think it was they um, they forfeited and the Japanese Japanese um, won the yeah were given the cup you know as a, as a mark of respect really mm-hmm. 
Um, but uh, there's similarities in terms of those stories. You know, it's tragic. Um, but, yeah, in their own ways, um, uplifting as well when you think of uh, what they, they achieved. Yeah, football is so yeah. interwoven, it's so interlinked. And it if you take the Italian, uh, the, the tragedy of uh, of Supergar, you can you can link it back to Hungary because yeah. uh, Laszlo Kubla should have been on that flight, and it was only mm. his wife coming over to Italy. Because when people talk about the magnificent Magyars and uh, Puskas is the first person. I'm guessing that most people will recall and Hidakuti yeah. that scored the hat trick and Basic and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, Kublar had uh, already defected to to the West, um, and in 1949 he he'd made his way over there to Italy. And he was going to play for Torino, but it was just the fact that his wife had arrived and he he, he couldn't play, so he didn't make that that flight. And as a consequence, he carried on and was the... Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say it was just Kubelar that done it on his own, but he yeah. certainly transformed Barcelona with his teammates and they out, they outgrew the stadium and that's why they went to the Camp Nou because it wasn't yeah, big enough. And, and that was largely down to Laszlo Kubelar. And there is a reference to uh, Ron Atkinson there because Mike Summerby always used to call Ron Atkinson Kubelar. I don't know why, but that's what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was talking about Kubelar and Ron... Mike Summerby, you see, always used to call... It's Kubelar there. <laughs> Whether that was true or not, we don't know. Ron does spin a great yarn. And... I never realised until you know, I was hearing your... Um... Your, uh, your weekly uh, with Terry Curran, Ron Atkinson from Liverpool originally. Yeah, he from. was born. He was born in I Liverpool. Yeah, born yeah. in Liverpool. Like story, but... Only there for three days. He said someone tried <laughs> to try to nick me pram, so we moved to Birmingham. But uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but Ron had family up there that had a dairy at by uh, by Goodison Park, and he spent the 1966 World Cup up there watching Hungary and Portugal and. North Korea yeah. and Brazil. Well, um, North Korea wasn't in that pool. Can't remember if they played that game against Portugal at Goodison. They may have, because that was um, they both got out of their groups. But in 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 it was Hungary, Brazil, Portugal, yeah. and Bulgaria was the four yeah. that was in that group that that played up there in in Goodison. But yeah, Ron yeah. speaks very highly of that Hungarian 66 team. He said they were a terrific side. They were absolutely tremendous team. They were a tour de force, weren't they, let's say, yeah. in terms of... Uh, and they brought... it. Well, it was a, a style... Because I'll link it back to Jimmy Hogan kind of thing. Cause it was it kind of... A, he was one of the, um, let's say, the early fathers of that passing, uh, possession-type football, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, and he uh, worked with the likes of... Um, um, yeah, uh, the coach uh, Sebes, and uh, did he? Part uh, of when well when Hungary beat um, England six three, and also Jimmy Hogan was also linked with um, Hugo Mezel, who was the coach that um, coach Austria's wonder team as well. He certainly was because yeah. Jimmy was um, Jimmy was interned while he was in. Um, he he he'd played for Bolton. 
I think he played yep. for Burnley and he played at Bolton. And they went on a tour to Holland and they played a side whose uh, their name escapes me. And I smashed them 10-1. And he vowed that one day he'd come back and teach me. Dorbets. Dorbets? Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He, he vowed one day he'd come back and teach me how to play football. And true to his word, Jimmy did. So he, yeah. he then, I think it was about 1908, something like yeah. that, he went out, He went back and showed me how to play football. And yeah. he... he he managed Holland to their first defeat of Germany, West Germany. They beat them 1-0. He only managed Holland for one game, I believe, and that was the game against Germany. But <laughs> Jim, Jimmy was was over there uh, in, in Hungary because he, he was coaching at M, uh, MTK. And That's it, be the best. Yeah, yeah. While he was over there, he was working, well, asking the British Embassy what was going on, um, because mm. obviously 1914, uh, the outbreak of, of the First World War, and they said, no, 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 it's fine, you'll be okay. Well, he wasn't, and what happened? He got yeah. interned, and then I think there was some certainly a connection, because he'd, he'd worked with the, with the Austrian team, and yeah. Hugo Meisel, and Meisel okay. was a good friend, and I do believe that Meisel had... Uh, some pull in getting Jimmy Hogan out into a safe house, and um, they they were yes. great friends. They were great compatriots as well, and they yeah. were both great coaches. and And you're right. There's a wonderful book, uh, the Wonder Team: The Rise and Fall of Austria's Wonder Team, by Joe Arath and uh, Hugo Meisel there in the bowler hat. But 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 Meisel. What he'd done for that Austrian team was phenomenal. And Jimmy was oh, also yeah. working with Hugo um, on the uh, on the team there in Austria. Jimmy also worked in... Um, in, in well, he went back to Holland. He also uh, taught at the School of Dresden. And Helmut yep. Schoen was one of the, uh, the pupils that was listening to Jimmy Hogan. Uh, while he was yeah. going around Germany giving his talks. And when he passed away in 1974, Jimmy. He did, yeah. And that was the year that the World Cup was competed between Holland and West Germany. And the yeah, and... Sorry? Sorry, God, yeah. Sorry, Gary. No, I'm saying and the Secretary of the um, West German Federation wrote to Jimmy's son and said, we didn't know anything about football until your dad taught us how to play. And, well, that's it, yeah. And, and that he was, was a, pretty much the father, wasn't he, of starting this, uh, his, his legacy. He's yeah. got a direct lineage for many of the modern football tactics, really. Uh, I even remember, actually, it was, it was the coach... Um, the coach, uh, Gustav Sebes, uh, uh, there's a famous quote when he said, we played football as Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Hogan taught us. Yeah. Uh, when football history is told, his name should be written in gold letters. Mm. I remember him, that quote. But you think in terms of, yeah, where he went from your Meisel's Austria team and uh, it led to Renis Michel, um, Michel, I can pronounce it wrong, total football. Yeah, Then it's you know, Cross, Barcelona, yeah. then... Pep Guardiola, etc. Yeah. It's all that lineage, isn't it? And that Absolutely. all started from him. So uh, he's he's, a, he's one of those almost yeah forgotten uh, men, isn't he? But um, well, forgotten by some. But until you read into the story, and I think that's where 
that's the beauty of books, isn't it, as well? So books bring uh, stories back to life. Absolutely. And there's a great book, Profit or Traitor, the Jimmy Hogan story written by Norman Fox. And and bringing it back to Ron, Jimmy was was the coach of the intermediate team, the third team, um, that Ron Atkinson was playing for. Ron? Yeah, Ron was at... When when the Magyars uh, were prominent, Ron was at Wolverhampton Wanderers. And then he moved to, um, to Aston Villa. Eric Houghton. Was was the manager oh, yes. of Aston Villa, um, and Jimmy was one of the coaches. So oh, wow. when Jimmy, when Jimmy was the manager of Aston Villa, Jim, uh, Eric Houghton was one of the players. So that was the link with Eric Houghton and and yeah. Jimmy Hogan from like the thirties, then moving forward into uh, into the fifties. But yeah. Ron, Ron was there and. And he, he said, Jimmy Hogan, what a fantastic guy he was. And he was yeah. teaching the kids how to play football. He said, in fact, there was many players that didn't want to go and play for the reserves because they wanted to play in Jimmy's team, which was the <laughs> third team. But when you moved up to the reserves, um, the, the, the coach there of the reserve team, Ron told me, he said, Forget what Tap Taps told you. Give the ball some altitude. So, so there were va- varying philosophies on how the game should be played. But Jimmy was well, all about skill, about ball yeah. work, and he educated Europe how to play football. But unfortunately, he never had the opportunity, really, to mm. um, educate us in this country. I think he Absolutely. managed Fulham and he definitely managed Villa for a season. Yeah, it, re- it reminds me of there's another book called uh, Mister by Rory Smith. Okay. Where it says about the men that taught the world how to beat England at their own game. And uh, that's, that's just Jimmy Hogan, isn't it? Because it, it was almost really cool, wasn't it, at times? He was, yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Uh, his style, his passing style, etc. No, no, we don't do it like that. We do it like this. It's yeah. hard grit uh, and... Uh, well, it's blown out of the water, isn't it? So, the attitude um, so. of the English coaches in those days was yeah. starve the players of the football during yeah. the week. And on a Saturday, they'll go and hunt it and they'll want it. <laughs> where Jimmy's philosophy was, it's all about the ball and we need yeah. to work with the ball and learn how to control the ball and pass the ball. And, and he was all about ball work and working with the ball, which was... Yeah. Alien to what most of the coaching uh, was in this country in Jimmy but, Hogan's day. But what is incredible from around that, around that time as well, though, he had the likes of uh, Fred Pantland, uh, who, was, who was born in Wolverhampton, uh, and that was back in 1920s, that was. Yeah. And he, uh, he uh, well, he famously was in the same, um, uh, in the First World War, in the World um, in a camp with Steve Bloomer as well, okay, the, yeah. um, England and Derby legend. Great book actually there by. It'll come back to me about the Rubelin, um the FA. So it was a, it was a tournament that was set up in, the, in that war camp. But Fred Pantland, he was another one that's. Um, he went to abroad. He won. He won the Capa del Rey with Atletico Bilbao, uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, and again Steve Bloomer. He went on to win the Capa del Rey with another Spanish team around about that time. So, I mean, it's just like the Hogan's and you think of these other people. There were so many that went abroad, you know, and took the game elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and took it away from, yeah, from England, really. 
it they is. want they saw a different way of playing. It um, it's it's quite yeah. incredible, really, isn't it? it is. You know, when you think about the English coaches and the Scottish coaches as well. That, yeah, that in went, Scotland, that, definitely. Yeah, that, that went to Europe. And uh, George Ryan, it was it was the fellow George Ryan. George Ryan, of course, um, got to the nineteen fifty eight World Cup yeah. final for Sweden when they uh, played against Brazil and Pelly taught him a, a new one, didn't he? They they beat him five two in the final. <laughs> but George Rayner wasn't particularly recognised in this country. In fact, George Rayner when Alan Hudson. Uh, the family went to um, Skegness yep. on holiday. Uh, Alan and his brother John were um, went to play football at Skegness at Butlins. Right. Got to my sons here. Can you just you know play football? Because that's what you did, didn't you? You'd have golf, crazy golf, and different things at Butlins, and then you'd have someone that would have the kids and show them how to play football, and the <laughs> mum and dad would go and have a few beers and go and play bingo, what have you. Well, it was George Rayner that taught yeah. Alan and, uh, and John. I didn't teach him, but was playing football with them. And it was only many years after that Alan discovered that it was George Rayner. And from winning the World Cup, well, winning the World Cup, getting to the World Cup yeah. final in 58, the only yeah, job yeah. he really got in England was managing Skegness and coaching in Butlins. Incredible, isn't it? No, yeah. I remember it. I, I, I seem to remember a story. And again, it's linking it back to um, um, back to the six free game. I, I didn't rain because uh, I think he met Walter Winterbottom. I think it was the England manager at the time, and I think he tried to give him some advice. And uh, I don't think Winterbottom wanted to know anything about it, so I didn't follow his advice. Uh, and he ended up, yeah, I'm seeing the lost mm. in that game. Yeah, in in '53. So, yeah, yeah, very good at taking put, advice. No, it would. So, yeah, he did end up at Skegness Town. I remember reading that. Yeah. It was, Ske- was it Skegness Town? Yeah, yeah, I believe so, yeah. He, yeah. he managed Skegness <laughs> and he was, he was coaching at Butlins. Incredible, isn't it? I mean, it what a really coming down from, like, What's on the World Cup? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brazilian have won the World Cup to Skegness. <laughs> yes, yes. It was a bit like Southgate. Well, even though he didn't... Yeah. He didn't go, suddenly they ended up, yeah, at uh, Tamworth. No offence against Tamworth, if anyone's listening from Tamworth, but... Yeah, so it's just quite a change, isn't it? And we wonder why we don't win anything. It is, it is quite incredible. Um, yeah. What books are coming out this month, or what's come out last month? Let's have a recap from last month. And what have you got on yeah. your newsletter for this month? Well, like I said, just mentioned last month. So you had seventy one, seventy two season. Yeah. So great. And then the, the undisputed champions. You had another one that came out. Um, which um, was the it was called the Immortals. It's, it's yep. the um, Arrigo Sacchi exactly, yeah. and about his team um, when he was at AC Milan for uh, I think he was in there for four years. But again, they won the European Cup twice. It was on the back of uh, we had the famous free Dutch duo of um, Marco van Basten, Rude Hullet, uh, and uh, Frank Rijkaard. Yeah, great player as well. And uh, yeah, great, great, great set of players. And obviously, on the back of when they won the European Championships in '88, they all followed him. Uh, well, then they went to Milan, didn't they? And yeah. uh, uh, so that's about that. That's about that story. And what, oh, yeah, what a cr- cracking team they were. So uh, they actually 
I remember they won the, the 89 um, European Cup, Star Bucharest, I think they beat them 4 0. I think they beat Real Madrid 6 1 in the semi final over two legs, etc. So, quite a team. But yeah, that was one of the books from last month. Uh, there was a number of, I think around about that time, around about this time of year, you do get a lot of um, biographies out. I think you've already mentioned lots of Don Revy, um, Ron Greenwood as well, uh, had a book, uh, a biography come out as well. Um, and there's some ones, uh, Olivia Giroux. Giroux yeah, I heard him on TalkSport. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I did as well, yeah. Patrice Ebra, um, he's quite a, a character, isn't he? Uh, he had a book come out. Ian Bonkers. He's bonkers, <laughs> yeah. isn't he, ever? It, there's a clip of him actually on Twitter when he's launched um, the, the the book, and I think he's with his wife. And uh, to launch his book is a, is a strange clip of him and his wife eating a pepper, a red hot pepper. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what on earth that I had to do with launching his book, but uh, he did it anyway. So it uh, <laughs> just probably explained the character of him. And uh, Julian Jochim also had a book come out, um, which uh, I've got it on my list of books to read. So. If you remember him, I remember him more from his days at Leicester City. Yeah. It was like lightning. During yeah, it was. Election. Good play, JJ. Yeah. And at Villa, played yeah. at Villa. He's uh, well remembered at Villa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was quite a few biographies, autobiographies that came out. Uh, another one, Totti as well. Francis, um, Totti, the Roma. What a uh, player. player. So, uh, the yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, the Emperor. Um, it's called uh, The Gladiator, actually, his book. Oh, okay. um, So, quite a... Um, uh, apt kind of title. Um, but so yeah, lots of other books have come out last month. Uh, Turf Wars, uh, if you've ever seen those books, are a trilogy and it's based on certain areas. The one that's latest ones around the West Midlands. Do you so think that that's history. an appropriate title? Because it suggests mm-hmm. football violence, but it isn't, is it? It's, it's about... Yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it does a little bit, doesn't it, when you look at it, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's just yeah. I think he's just followed that. So it doesn't yeah. mean that. No, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, but the latest one is the Midlands, isn't it? Cause I, it I, is. I, I saw that and and I thought turf wars. What's all that about? But it, it's more, <laughs> you know, the 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 rivalry and how how the teams stand in the specific areas that um, that the author's covering. Because that's it. Again, ordinarily, if you don't know that, you would think turf wars at football violence. Yeah, it's interesting that is it. I must admit, when you think about when you're, I suppose one of the the things when you're writing a book. I remember reading uh, actually one of the the writers, and he was talking about the, the one of the main things is obviously getting the title right yep. of your book, getting your cover right as yep. well. You can have a fantastic cover of a book, and pitch publishing, uh, uh, you know, they're but for me, well, if not the best, certainly one of the best in terms of the the, the graphic designers they get in. Well, you just mentioned the seventy one, seventy two. You look at. What a brilliant cover that is! That's so uh, probably the the best right. co- one of the best covers I've seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, along with um, um, there's a, there was one that came out was that last moment in my the month before uh, called the Beautiful History. Um, yeah. It's by the same guys that did the Beautiful Badge, which are brilliant books if you're looking for something for Christmas for your uh, for one of your relatives. Um, but yeah, so if you get that title right, the cover right. And obviously, good content, of course, if you need. Um, but yeah, you get all that. So, um, but um, so yeah, there was that was, and there was also another book that came out. I think you mentioned it on your, one of your weekly uh, podcasts with Terry is the early years of the FA Cup. 
Yes. As well. Yeah. Um, going back to the Victorian times. Yeah, no, the British Army. What was the? Mm. I mean, without giving the story away, have you have you read the book? What was the link with the British Army? I haven't actually read it. No, not yeah. yet. Um, mm. But uh, it's to do with because um, it's obviously in, it's the book that the idea is because it's the hundredth and fiftieth anniversary, isn't yeah, it? it? The is, FA yeah. Cup this yeah. season, uh, and it goes back to because the first set of the matches were played in is eighteen seventy one. The engineers obviously reached the final at the yeah. Kennington Oval. Uh, and I, I, I don't know the full story, if I'm honest, because uh, I've not read it, but it's yeah. some, somehow linked to how the army produced um, or got involved with yeah, the teams at that time. Uh, and, yeah, but I, don't, I don't know the ins and outs yet, Gabby. No, James looks, W. Looks a great story. Bancroft yeah. has written it. Yeah. When you're talking about covers, got to mention all crazy now, English football and football oh, in yeah. the 1970s. By yeah. uh, David Tussle, and uh, I mean again, a book I haven't read, but I will read. I mean David is a great writer. He's wrote yeah. some fantastic books, wonderful titles, and it's like a big chunk like, of a book that one as oh, well. Five, isn't it? All crazy now. Five hundred, yeah. and Kevin and uh, and Billy fighting on the front, and the colours, yeah. and it, I mean it's just everything that you would want from a a seventies book, isn't it? That one, all yeah. crazy now. Fantastic. What titles are coming out for Christmas? Have we got any that you know that's coming out? What's on your shopping list? What's Santa (laughs) going to bring you? (laughs) Because November this month is now, you've still got a lot of books coming out. Then it quietens off. December tends to be a quieter month, really. So you're you're getting your books in now. But for for the ones that's coming up for this month, I've I've picked out a few in my newsletter. Just a bit of a mixture, really. There's a book that's coming out um, which really sounds an interesting story. It's called Be Good, Love Brian. Yeah. It's by a guy called Greg uh, Broomfield, and it's about growing up with Brian Clough. Yeah. So it's a basic story about him and his brother, uh, but we're taken under 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 the wings basically. Brian Clough, uh, and I I read uh, an article. I shared it actually on my Twitter page, and I'm, I think I've shared it on Facebook as well. And uh, there was an article that was written about the book. He did an interview um, with someone at The Guardian, which gave a bit of an insight. Um, and it basically talks about just giving a different side to what Brian Clough was. Again, I think most people do know he had the, obviously he had his um, spiky kind of side, but he, he you know, he was, a, he was a great man manager, wasn't he? Everyone knows that. But he's his warmth as well. And I think that's what this book is about. He's t- telling about how he. Um, in these young lads, he uh, saw a bit of like when he was young, because I think they're from the same area up in the northeast where originally yeah. uh, Clough is from. Uh, and this, that's it, yeah, Middlesbrough. And um, yeah, so this is written about. Uh, it's, it sounds a remarkable story because it's something I'd never heard of. Where basically, yeah, these couple of young lads, Ryan Clough took them, took them in, uh, and he gave them work. I think they worked with um, his Brian's two sons, Simon and Nigel. Uh, in I think they had a shop or something nearby. So it sounds a fascinating story. It's one of those. It's there's a linkage to football, um, but again, it's just a linkage to understanding well, Brian Clough. I think any book to if I'm maybe I'm being biased, but any club book that's uh, linked to Brian Clough is always going to be an interesting read, isn't it, Gabby? The ultimate uh, socialist was no Cloughy. Yeah, you know if yeah. you if you got a run to the litter, Cloughy would have the runs. Yeah, yeah. You know he's, he he was the the archetype working class 
man that done good and never forgot his roots and was always grounded. I mean, there's many a story of Forest players or Derby players that, you know, young kids and they've, you know, not been away yeah. from home before and Christmas Day you'd have them round there eating Christmas dinner yeah. and turkey with them. And Cluffy, <laughs> Cluffy, you know, from from stories that I hear of, of, yeah. of Brian Howard Clough, one of the most generous persons ever. Yeah. I remember Alan yeah. Clark telling me about one of the journalists, I forget the journalist's name, that, but Cluffy had a, 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 I don't know if it was the Mirror or the Sun, I, I can't remember yeah. what um, what paper Cluffy had a, um, a feature in. Yeah. And um, the guy that, that wrote it for him, he, they, he was round his house one day, or you know, they was having uh, food and drink, and uh, he just yeah. said to him, "How much you got left on your mortgage?" And they were just, yeah. you know, just a general talk, and he, you know, yeah. told Brian what he was, and then come back in, here's a check paid off, and <laughs> he was a very, very <laughs> general, and and it's those things that that you don't hear of Brian Clough. Yeah. I remember David Langan telling me a story when he was at Derby and one of the apprentices. Um, he he like phoned down to the boot room, cup of tea, and <laughs> cup of tea, young man, uh, <laughs> and, and it was like you know, get it yourself, yeah. put the phone down. Yeah. Did he just say that? I'll try it again. <laughs> cup of tea, young man, get it yourself, and um, he put the phone down. So he'd phone him up again, and he go. Young man, do you know who this is? He says, "Yeah, get it, your fucking self," and put the phone down. And then they <laughs> legged it. They legged it and cluffed it and gone down. And I said to Lange, "Do you reckon Brian knew who it was?" He said, "Yeah, he knew who it was." Yeah. But that was that was that was cluffy. Yeah. Just a one off, a, a one off, and we Absolutely. will never, ever, ever see the likes of Brian Clough no. again. Sadly, no. man was a no, genius. Absolutely. I love oh, Clough yeah, story and I love yeah. Clough book. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to. So, yeah, that comes out. I think it's out next week. So watch out for that one. So uh, it should be a very interesting one, slightly with obviously a football related, but also a bit of a human element as well, which is always which is always a good mixture for a, a story, isn't it? Yeah. Or a book. You've got a good character and a story as well. Uh, and then I picked some slightly differently. There's a book um, coming out, uh, Panini Football Stickers. Okay. Uh, yeah. So everyone, well, yeah, you, well, whatever age you might be, um, there's a, a book coming out by Greg uh, Lansdowne. He did a, a previous uh, book as well called Stuck on You, which is kind of linked as well to yeah. stickers. So this is a, it's a book of celebration uh, of uh, yeah football stickers, but it's it's uh, I, obviously it's not come out yet. So, but it will be very much a trip uh, journey through you know uh, memorabilia etc. And it's bringing that to life. So. Uh, I just uh, when you think football stickers, I, I don't know if they're still doing nowadays, Gabby. I don't know. I don't, do they? I uh, think but, they do, but I don't think yeah. the kids are like no. what we used to because you know no, we'd save up our pocket money, yeah, and then we'd be in the playground, yeah. got got in, got 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 in, got in, got swap you that, yeah. And you go, Trevor Francis, I'll give you fifty for Trevor Francis. Nah, 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 <laughs> yeah. my mate said he'd give me hundred, I'll give you hundred for Trevor, and and they would always hold back the big stars in the area, wouldn't they? They um, yeah. And it wasn't just Panini. There was a book before Panini come out, and I went to Jim McCallyog's book launch at Bilton okay. Town, and there was a yeah. lad that bought the book that was like, I think, it, again, I think it was probably 71, 72 season, before yeah. Panini started bringing their stuff out. 
And I'm like, oh, my God, I remember that. I remember as a kid, <laughs> I remember going around and, you know, because you put the glue on the top because the panini, they like stuck <laughs> it on, didn't they? But with they this did, one, yeah. you stuck it, you got the dotted line. So you put the yeah. glue in that bit there and it would flip <laughs> up. So all the, the flip, and there was a little bit about the player on the back, you know, yeah. and um, I remember, I remember as a kid, you know, collecting them and, and then yeah. around in the playground. Got ink, got ink, yeah. got and, you know, Absolutely. it just brings back vivid memories. And you know. it does, and that's why I picked that out. Really, as a book, I think yeah. it's just uh, I could just I could just straight away. It'll be one of those books. It's different, isn't it? As opposed to when you're reading a five hundred page book, this is yeah. one that you sit and look at the page. You probably just sit and look at the page for probably ten, fifteen minutes, yeah. looking at all the the images. It's just that, yeah. that heady mix of football history, wonderful nostalgia. Yeah, and all the the yeah, and all brings back all the memories, etc. So uh, yeah, and it, the Panini stickers was literally a global phenomenon, really at the time as well. When you think back to the popularity of it, um, yeah, and the, the bartering you used to have on the playground. Um, Absolutely, to get, I, uh, I to get rem- the one you wanted. I remember not long <laughs> ago on your mufflebubbles dot com and your Facebook and your Twitter, there was a book about Scotland. In the 1970s. Do you know if anyone's ever written a book about England in the 1970s? Because I've got a Facebook page, England 1970s. We played 100 games in the 1970s. I'd love someone to write a book. I'd love to write the book about it, but I'm not clever enough. There you go. You that. just need to go. Just join in with a writer, Gabby. So uh, there's plenty of writers out there. <laughs> you never know. A, I think it'd be a great book. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. England, no, I, England's hundred games of the seventies, and that's pretty yeah. much my Facebook page title. Started yeah, off, no. of course, uh, in January nineteen seventy, when uh, Johan Cruyff come to Wembley as part of the Dutch team, and we drew nil nil. Bobby Charlton had a goal disallowed, as did Ian Story Moore, which brings us back to seventy one seventy two, because Cluffy reckoned he'd signed him for Derby. Uh, yeah, moved across. Uh, well, just over the Trent, um, from Nottingham Forest to Derby County. A young man, um, me seeing story more, we just signed him, but the Forest Board wouldn't sanction it, so he yeah. didn't go through. And story more, of course, moved to Manchester United. Yeah, absolutely. Linking it back to those, because you said about the 70s England team, uh, mm. there was a book uh, I remember in the, the 1982 England World Cup team. It was written by a guy called Gary Jordan called Out of the Shadows. Okay, you think yes. of that team there that, um, yeah, the story of that team that got so close. You know, they're a great, great team, really, but never really got anywhere with it in the 1982. And linking it to that, he's bringing out a book in uh, November, Gary Jordan himself, which is called Show Me the Way to Plough Lane. It's the remarkable story of Wimbledon FC's um, return home. So uh, uh, it's just a classic. It's the way you, you, I think everyone knows in terms of... Uh, when you think of Wimbledon and what they achieved in the eighties, you know, I think we mentioned on our last podcast um, where they went from that start of that century, uh, sorry, start of the decade, to then obviously winning the FA Cup in '88. Uh, but this book is then obviously the the you know, obviously changed then with MK Dons, and uh, well, everyone knows the story there. And then the way they rose up again, so that comes out this month. So uh, and yeah, if it's anything like his last book which I'm sure it will be. It'll be another good read 
from uh, yeah the Gary Jordan. So that's one to pick out. Uh, another one for this month is uh, a few more class footballers. Glenn Oddle, yes, uh, autobiography, yeah, yeah. So playmaker, yeah. So it's almost I must admit, Glenn Oddle. I it's a little under me. For some reason, I thought he had an autobiography out already. It's one of these. Um, yeah. <laughs> how why did I let him do that? Yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Glenn's got another <laughs> book out. They they do. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, yes. I I don't think I don't think I've ever read it. So um, but um, no, he's out. And then Jerry Armstrong, uh, another one that's coming out. Uh, my story, my journey. I know Terry mentioned it on yeah. his uh, uh, on the cast. Uh, Tony Curry, uh, he's got a book. Coming out through Vertical Editions, another yep. great publisher. Um, there, the Imperfect Ten is the yep. title of that book. The Man Behind the Magic. Um, Paul Mariner. Yeah. Uh, great front cover on there. It's a similar actually to Glenn Oddle, uh, the front yes, cover. Indeed, uh, yeah. When England, yeah, the Admiral, the classic, the Admiral England um, top. Uh, so yeah, the late uh, obviously Paul Mariner. So uh, sadly passed away in July. Was it? I think of his year now. Mm. So um, yeah, so his 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 book comes out, uh, and a few others um, uh, as well. Uh, I'll, I'll just give a shout out to a couple of books that's obviously come my way actually. Um, they come out this this month. Um, there's one called Red Letters, yeah, uh, which is written. It's, it's really got sounds a really interesting story. It's um, about two guys, um, two fervent Liverpool FC supporters who correspond with each other during the, the season when they won the league. Uh, and obviously how it finished in that dramatic way there's obviously the lockdown with COVID etc mm-hmm. yeah so uh, it seems a really interesting book uh, the guy one of the co-authors of the book is a guy called um, Neil Atkinson who he he does the Anfield rap um, which is an extremely popular um, Twitter uh, page and um, blog etc mm-hmm. um, so yeah there's yeah, it's a really interesting book. So it's two. It's basically two um, fans on the opposite sides of the world, basically corresponding with each other for the whole season. So it sounds a really quite interesting book. So yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. So uh, um, and it's a big chunk of a book as well. So uh, um, and another shout out to another one called The Lives of Stanley B, which is a, a fictional um, book, but he's written by a guy called Matt Guy, and I've read his other books before, which are non-fictional. Uh, which is really good. So, um, looking forward to that. So, this, the, uh, fiction. But when I think about fiction, uh, I'm normally the non-fiction. Is me, yeah, yeah. The books that I kind of read, but there's the occasional fiction books that I've, yeah, they're really good out there as well. So, uh, I'll just a shout out to them as well. So, uh, in fact, Gary Facker, um, you mentioned earlier at these Football Times, he brought out his first ever fiction book last year, and it was a really, really good read. Actually. Part so, two, uh, the follow-up is coming out soon. Isn't yes, it, sure? it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, no, it's really good. He clearly knows his football and uh, the story oh, yeah. of his first one. Yeah, it, it obviously comes through as well. So, Beautiful uh, broad no, dressed in orange. Oh, yes, yes. What absolutely. a knowledge. I've done a podcast with Gary. In fact, yeah. he said, do you want to chat about um novel that, that's coming out? So I've got to get hold of Gary and I'll do another podcast with What? A- yes, absolutely. And then just a couple of other I mentioned, you've got uh, Billy Liddell, uh, Ooh, the former really? Liverpool icon. Yeah, Liddell at 100, uh, written by Peter, I must get this right, Peter Kenny Jones. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he's um, got a book about him celebrating the life of the 
yeah, Liverpool and Scotland legends. Scored Billy Liddell. the goal in 1954 when Birmingham City beat Liverpool. Ah, 9-1. right. Okay, yeah. didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so in fact, Spencer, I think it was Bob Paisley that had a. Um, there's a connection with Bob Paisley bringing Billy Little to um, to Liverpool, and yeah. also Matt Busby because Busby was there at the time as well. So that'd Excellent. be interesting. Yeah, he remains the oldest goal scorer in Liverpool's history and their fourth highest scorer of all time, um, Billy Little. So yeah, that comes out uh, on the eighth, which is Monday, um, okay. as we're talking. I should yeah, buy that. I should buy that. I, like, I, yeah. I love things that I don't know much about. I know them, but I don't mm. know much about them. There's a book that we um, we featured in Book Corner on the 26th of uh, of, of October. Eddie Hapgood uh, by yes. Lynn Hapgood. It's story, the extraordinary story of a young unknown uh, boy from Bristol who went on to captain England and uh, Arsenal. And was national yeah. hero in the dark days of the thirties. Now I'd heard of Apgood, but I didn't know much about him. But what a fantastic read that looks like! And in terms of being perfect ten, I did contact uh, Vertical Editions on their Facebook or Twitter page. I can't remember what, and I said, "I've got to take it to task." Tony Curry was the perfect ten, not the imperfect yeah. ten. <laughs> and, and and the reply was, you must read the book, sir. It's all oh. going to be, it will all unfold when you've read the book. So the yeah. title seems to be a twist. And the book is well, going to be a fantastic read because Tony Curry is one of my favourite players. Yeah, Sheffield United, wasn't he? Legend. So, yeah. Watford, yeah, Sheffield, QPR, Leeds United. Tony yeah. Curry, he couldn't make that. I mean, it would have been for me in the 70s, Hudson, Ball and Curry, that would be yeah. my midfield trio. Yeah, and no, that should be a good read, that. So the the guy that um, Vertical Editions called Danny Hall, who's the um, who uh, runs that publishing company, he's a big Sheffield United um, fan. They do well. a lot of uh, Sheffield-based yeah. books. In fact, um, uh, Terry Curran's first book was uh, Vertical Editions. Ah, OK, yeah. yeah. The, 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 Maverick, the Maverick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. one with uh, John Brindley, who was, uh, wrote Terry's second book as well. Yeah, Vertical yeah. Editions, they do quite a lot of Sheffield-based books. But there's yeah. just so many great publishers. You know, you mentioned uh, Pitch Publishing. There's also Conkers. They uh, they do some great instantion books. They bring out some great oh, books, don't they? Brilliant. They're, they're, their book they brought out as um, one of my favourites from last year was Football's Black Pioneers. Um, mm. uh, the stories of the first black players to represent the 92 league clubs. But great timing as well, obviously, with the, the um, kick race and out campaign, etc. Yeah. But it's a brilliant book, really well uh, put together as well. Nice and simple in the way it's done. It's the 92 league clubs. So it's done in. Uh, it's a heavy it's book as well, say, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah it's, but... it's done in, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's done in alphabetical order. You, you know, if you want to go straight to your club, yeah. You know, to find out who was the first black player that played for you, etc. But some just great stories in there. So, uh, uh, and some, yeah, great, some great stories as well. But it also touches on, um, you know, some of the the issues that they had. You know, some of the black players and the, yeah, the problems that they faced. Absolutely. Yeah, Written by Bill yeah. Hearn and David Gleave, and I had the pleasure That's of it. Bill Hearn's company 
to cut a podcast talking about football's Black Pioneers. What a lovely fella. What a lovely book. And it is a heavy book. I'm holding it now in my right hand. Um, you've got the Sabutio players, which yeah. surprisingly, a lot of the Sabutio players there are white, aren't they, on the front Oh, yeah, the actually. Yeah, I know. A lot of yeah, I unless it's because the, the front one is... Uh, Black. Yes, I and wonder if that's the reason why then. Yeah. yeah. I wish I'd have had the book before I interviewed Bill because that would have been my first question. But you <laughs> are the story of the first black uh, players to represent the 92 league clubs and uh, the forward by the great uh, Viv Anderson. And a lovely yeah. little picture of Laurie, uh, West Bromwich yeah. Albion, Laurie Cunningham. Uh, turned down yeah, by Arsenal. Degrees. Yeah, Arsenal. Um, he was at Arsenal as a kid, Laurie. Didn't quite cut it at Arsenal, went to Orient and uh, West Bromwich Albion, big run, brought him in at the Albion. Went off and played, obviously, for, for Real Madrid. But I remember Ron uh, going to Wembley and watching Laurie and, and said, Laurie, why, why, why do you play like that? You don't play like that for me. And he said, I was told to play that way. And, and Ron <laughs> said Laurie could run in snow and he wouldn't leave any prints. What a player yeah. Laurie Cunningham was. Yeah, and while we're talking about black... Uh, history, the straggling life. Andrew Watson, the story of the ah, world's first yes. black international footballer. By yeah, Scottish. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Lou Walker. Yeah. L L E W, and it's a wonderful book. I love these books that are like that. Uh, and when I say like that, the 1971-72 season, you get the book, and then they've got that ridge, haven't they, in there. And yeah. this book is exactly the same. But if you've got the ridge to that book, it's just in the middle of the Al Al. And I didn't know if it was Blue Walker, but it's Al Al E W Lou Walker. And it a wonderful is, yeah. picture of Andrew on the front. And they, they didn't realise that this fella existed in the 1800s playing incredible, in Scotland as a black football player. Yeah, no, and it's an incredible story. Yeah. And, um, Again, he literally is a, a pioneer, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, um, he captained Scotland. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, so he was, he was the first, I hope I get this right, the first, I think he was the first international black footballer, uh, if, I, if I'm correct. I can't remember if that's something. But he was no, he was assuming the role of a Scotch professor, I remember. So he taught these English peers, yeah, mm -hmm. the science of the, the more dynamic, like, passing style of football. Uh, and I know he was part of a team that, Maybe England six one. Uh, I think I was on his debut. I think eighteen eighty one. Uh, and again, there was a famous one when they won five one. Because there's actually a mural uh, still to this day. You could, there's a mural of um, the original site of Hampden Park. Okay. It's on the it's on the side of a train track. If you Google it, you'll find it. Yeah. And there's a there's a picture of him, and it's got Scotland five, England one, Hampden Bowling Club, and yeah, and he's on a picture on there. So, uh, uh, but no cracking cracking story there again and uh, one of those lost stories which is again you know obviously I'm going to be biased talking about books but it's only books like things like that you, you'd never know would you no absolutely uh, until someone puts a pen to paper and brings it to life so uh, yeah great story yeah a straggling great life story. is the incredible story of the world's first black international is, footballer yeah. the son yeah. of a Scottish plantation owner and a free woman of colour Andrew Watson was provided for by his wealthy father. He received a first-class yeah. public school education, but rejected <laughs> university to become a footballer in Glasgow. 
I mean, you read the first paragraph of the synopsis <laughs> there and you think, what a wonderful book, I've got to read that. I come across it, there was um, an article <clears throat> that I was trawling uh, through YouTube, having a look at one or two things, and it was Mark Walters that was talking about it, because Mark oh, yes. played for Glasgow Rangers, obviously, and yeah. um, it was it was on um, the Scottish uh, TV programme of, of some sort, it might have even been uh, the news in Scotland, but it was, yeah. it was a clip from a few years ago, because again, Mark Walters, me being from Birmingham, Mark played for Aston Villa and was the year above me at uh, at school. Not that we went to the same school, but we're of, yeah. a, of a similar school age. So uh, me always thought, oh blimey, is Mark Walters doing that? Andrew Watson, who was he? So yeah. immediately went and bought the book. But, uh, no, yeah, great story. Yeah, it, in fact, it was a, there was an article recently, and I'm thinking about it. That's only a few weeks back. I think it was on the BBC. Yeah. So, uh, it's obviously um, they regurgitate yeah, them, and it is Black History Month, isn't it? So anything yeah, like course, that yeah. at the moment, the BBC will pick up upon yeah. that. But yeah, great, the uh, great story by uh, by Lou Walker, and I just love the picture there. It, it's a drawing of Andrew Watson. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it really is a riveted. I mean, I'm looking at it. Andrew's just looking back at me. So yeah, and that's the great thing with art, and it is a yeah. great thing with books that it does bring the characters to life. And I think that book it cover does. is fantastic. It does. I'm pretty sure that's Pitch Publishing as well, unless you tell me wrongly. Um, uh, yep, it's Pitch Publishing. You're absolutely yeah. spot on. And let's, yeah, let's give at Pitch Publishing on, on Twitter. So, so guys, yeah. if you want to yeah. look at all the wonderful publications uh, Pitch Publishing come out with, it's at Pitch Publishing. Just brilliant books. It, it's it's yeah. all our football history. Brought yeah, back to life. Sky, Sky going to do it. Yeah. I'll tell you, one, another book I'd like to mention, just yeah. um, you know, you make me think as well, just bringing things back to life. Uh, there's a book I'd love to give a shout out. It's called Hybrid Memories. It's a book that's been given to, um, sent to myself, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's a lovely little book written uh, by, edited by a guy called Tony McDonald, and it's one of these. Um, I, I just love old grounds like uh, Highbury. Yeah. I know you've got the lovely new grounds, haven't you? Like Tottenham's new stadium is mm. great, etc. You know, etc. But I don't know. They, they just haven't got even like the Emirates Stadium. It's not got the character of a Highbury. I'm not an Arsenal fan, but yeah. for me, Highbury had so much character. And it comes the out in this book. That's it, and it's the changing room. It's a picture. It's, it's got a lot of pictures in this book, which brings it to life as well. You look at the changing rooms. I'm looking at it now. You think of the likes of Thierry Henry, etc., and these changing rooms, uh, and they're classic old changing rooms as well. So uh, the kind of changing rooms that, um, um, well, anyone would have changed in really. So, yeah. uh, but I just love the these the books about the old grounds. Um, you know, um, when I think of the, the best grounds for me still now are the likes of the Villa Park. Uh, Goodison Park, Everton, even if it were a place like Crystal Palace, Fellows Park, you know, they've got character, character. great atmosphere as well, haven't they? Yeah. Et cetera. And you miss some of the old grounds like that. It's a bit like baseball grounds, Roper Park, Upton Park, Ayrson Park, they're all parks. <laughs> Main Road is another one mm. as well. They've all got great characters. So just a shout out to that book as well uh, called Highbury Memories. Is there a book about yeah. the famous grounds of English football then and now? Because, you know, the baseball ground, that, that did have 
It did yeah. have um, a, a link to America and, and baseball, didn't it? If my memory serves me right, I'm not quite yeah. sure how. But I think when it was being built with with the the idea of baseball being the game, and I thought it was going to take off, and I think that's why they called it the baseball ground. But there's lots of grounds that are called something. I mean, obviously, you know, Main Road because it's on a main road. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. like St Andrews. Um, yeah. I don't really know why Birmingham City was called St Andrews, to be quite truthful. But I mean, Ooh. Villa Villa Park was called Villa Park because it literally is Villa, and it was the park. It was the lower grounds, of course, before Villa Park. But there's such a lot of history in in football grounds, and I just wondered if anybody had um, had done a book. I know four four two. Yeah, yeah four four two had done a, ro- a really lovely feature on uh, the top hundred grounds in British football. Not the famous grounds, but some really obscure grounds, and and I thought yeah, that I feel was that- nice. Yeah, I think that was based on a book that came out uh, last year, actually. Yeah, okay. British Football's Greatest Grounds. It was uh, 100 must-see football venues by got a guy you. called yeah Mike Bailey. And uh, I've got it. It's a, it's a cracking book. And yeah. it came out last year, uh, around about this time last year, actually. It's got the likes of Villa Park in there, uh, Craven Cottage City Grounds, amongst others that you won't have heard of, really. Some, uh, But it's just the characters of the, yeah, some of the grounds in there. Like the Shea as well, uh, Halifax, Halifax Town. Yep. So, um, but um, yeah, yes, I think that's the book you're referring to. It came out, yeah. And last again, year. with Villa Park, you could have a book about Villa Park. I mean, some of the great games mm. played at Villa Park, whether it be uh, an England international game, whether it be an FA yeah. Cup semi final game, because back in the olden days, we had semi finals at Villa Park. I think Villa oh, is over them. 50. FA Cup semi-finals, you know, and then they were great days, weren't they? They were great days, and I think that's the magic of the FA Cup as well. And uh, you know, I know we talked about that last month as well, but yeah, the semi-finals, they've been at Wembley. It's just nowhere near quite. It's not as the same kind of spectacle. I remember as a as an away fan going to yeah the likes of Villa Park, etc. It's uh, it's a cracking day out, isn't it? Um, Yeah, for uh, you coming up from London, or they've come down from Manchester, and you've ended up in Birmingham. (laughs) <laughs> Etc. So uh, yeah, yeah, great days, great days. Yeah, is, I'm sure there is a book on Villa Park. I know there's definitely one on the baseball grounds. Uh, okay. You can find it on my, you can find it on my website. So um, because on the website I do uh, categorise uh, recommended books by various clubs, uh, and it's in the Derby County um, category on my website. But yeah, the baseball ground gone but not forgotten. Um, yeah, which tells you a little bit about the history there. By a guy called Andy Ellis. And there's also a, yeah. a farewell to bowling, isn't there? That come out uh, yes. not long ago. Correct. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah, was it earlier this year, I think it was? I believe yeah. so, yeah. There'll be a farewell to Goodison because I think Everton are moving out of, of Goodison. Um, yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool are building, aren't they, on uh, on Anfield? Good. Yeah. Because, I, I, yes. you know, I, I really dislike it when clubs move to different grounds. I mean, Villa, yeah. they're looking at extending Villa Park as well. And Manchester United, of course, is still at Old Trafford. I just think it's just steeped in football history. And if you can't develop it, please stay at your ground. And, you know, that's where the fans, that's where the home of the fans is there. 
you know, when well, that's why your memories, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, your, it's yeah. your, your your religious church, isn't it? Yeah, it it's is, your yeah. church you go to. Yeah. And if you're going to move your church to a nice shiny, you know, bowl, and then there's not, the same, nothing against, I'm nothing against. Uh, no, I don't know the King the King Power Pride Park and mm. uh, you know Southampton grounds. They're nice looking buildings, uh, you know. Yeah. In fact, Manchester City, when you think of the Etihad, you know, yeah, fabulous stadium, but yeah. main road, wow, that was that had some character. So uh, you didn't stay around for long if you're an away fan, I remember that. So, uh, <laughs> I think you stayed around at many football <laughs> grounds in the 70s, if you were an away fan, would you? <laughs> you, did, you I, mean, did I don't know where there was that... more violence in the 70s, on the terraces <laughs> or on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, great it? time. So yeah. what, what other books have you um, have you got for us, Andy, that you want to give a shout out to? Um, so um, the hybrid hybrid memories I mentioned. Yeah. Um, um, just to shout out to there was a one that came out. Um, uh, sorry, last month as well. Uh, sorry, was it last month? It was a couple of months, but it's called The Hard Yards. Yes. They they a guy called Nigel Tassel. Yeah. Uh, a great writer. I loved his first book, if you've ever seen it. It's about the non-league football called The Bottom Corner. Really, really good book. And this one's based on the championship. Mm. So uh, I can't recall if I mentioned this last month, but yeah, it's one of my recommended reads I put in this uh, month's uh, newsletter. So uh, great story, just telling you about the championship. Uh, and just, yeah, it really is, as many people know, it's the... It's well. It says in the subtitle, "Season of the Championship is the football's toughest league." And uh, yeah, and it, it tells you, you look at the attendances just in midweek this week. You know, it's a well-attended league as well, isn't it? You got some big clubs in yeah. that in that league, and anyone could beat anyone on any a given day. So uh, I think Preston did Preston beat Bournemouth this week. I'm just trying to recall. Um, so, not uh, sure. I hope not, because I back Bournemouth. <laughs> I, 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 I know Fulham absolutely spanked uh, Blackburn 7-0 at the Ewood Park, which was a tremendous result, and both Bournemouth and Fulham are I'm, looking I'm good. I'm yeah. afraid to tell you, Preston did beat Bournemouth 2-1, yes, no, really? I've just checked. They oh, did, right. yeah, but it's just, again, a classic example, isn't it? So, uh, you know, anyone from top Preston. to bottom, yeah. jam, that's championship, really, and that comes out in this book, kind of in the hard yards, so... Uh, I'd recommend that. And a couple of others I recommend as well that I recommend. There's one called The Lost Shankly Boy. Yeah. Uh, which is a, about uh, George uh, Scott. Uh, it's a cracking that it's written by, in conjunction with a guy called Jeff Golding, who's um, a prominent writer on Liverpool football. Um, he's wrote a number of books. But yeah, The Lost Shankly Boy, it's an enthralling tale of the triumph of adversity. So uh, it tells you about... Um, uh, he's when he was rubbing shoulders basically with Bill Shanklin in the early days at Anfield. Uh, it's just a cracking story, brilliant story in terms of where his life goes from there. Uh, and it's just yeah, players like that. There's there's a there's a few you you know your Glenn Oddles, you know you know really about their stories and these kind of players that you don't know so much about. Yeah. And when you read them, it just yeah, really brings it to life from the character. Um, and one other shout I'll give out is uh, Forgotten Nations, which is a book uh, I read uh, a while back now um, by Chris Dealey. And it's about uh, those clubs um, which are not well known, basically, or nations are not well known, that don't compete in uh, in the FIFA ranks. And they compete under, it's called a competition called Kenefa. 
Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Talk sport, they they do it, don't they? They cover it. They do, that's it. Yeah, Yeah, so the Confederation of Independent Football Associations, and that book, yeah, called Forgotten Nations, the guy, Chris Dealey, he's clearly got a great sense of humour because it comes out, it's, uh, yeah, it's a funny book as well. There's some cracking stories in there of some of the nations. In fact, if I I just looked at the the contents page, it covers off some teams called, like, the Tibet's, you got you know the Tibet, you got the Chagos Islands, um, yeah, it's just great stories. So it's another book I'd the recommend Catalonia that. Catalonia got a, a bit thing too, in there. Uh, yes, there is actually. Well, you uh, did Yorkshire have a team in there. I know there's some real bizarre <laughs> ones that, that you know. That's it. Yeah. it is, yeah, it's going so chapter, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Yorkshire, they're in there. Catalonia, that's. Um, Oh, I'll come back to it. Is it Panini? Panini? So, um. It's some really obscure ones, yeah. isn't it? And I thought, you know, they've actually applied and they've got like country status. Yeah. Oh, no. the world. Yeah. But, but that's what football fans do, don't they? Oh, it's just a love of football. Anything like books yeah. like that, it's just clearly written by a football fan. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's wrote about um, people that just love football. Yeah. And that's it. And it just, uh, yeah, it's a great, great little story. Um, and, uh, yeah, give that a shout-out as well. I was listening so, to the boys uh, but, on the uh, podcast and there was on about writing football books and they look, we don't, we just focus on something that oh, we no. like. Find a niche part of your market and Jonathan yeah. Wilson said, try and be as good as what you can be. And I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's the old... The, the whole thing about football, whether it be writing about Sabutio or writing about a tournament like that or a cup, or there's just that many different angles, that many different yeah, football books, and and the more the quirky ones, that you know, the more it, it kind of like tickles your fancy, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I would always suggest to people, I know you'd like to pick a, you know, about the 70s, etc. But mm-hmm. sometimes when I pick a book and I think, what is, what on earth is this about? And quite often there, the books are, oh, that sticks in your memory now. Yeah. Really, it's something that I just never even imagined, never even thought about. So, uh, uh, or never even knew about. And that's probably a classic example of that. Uh, the Andrew Watson story as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you're referring to... And a couple of so, books yeah. I want to give a mention to as well. Um, Barton's Army by Colin Abbott. Oh, yes. Colin yeah. wrote some fantastic books on Aston. Yes. Villa. I mean, yes. he's a font of knowledge. If anything, if I want to know anything on Aston Villa, like, for instance, probably two, three, four months ago, I'd looked at something and I've gone, Neil Reoch's name isn't Neil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he... I, I thought... Why are they calling Neil Reoch when his name ain't Neil? So uh, I, I phoned up Colin and I asked him, and I can't remember what the answer was now. I don't think Neil Reoch's wife knew what the answer was. I'm not convinced <laughs> that Neil did either. And he's got another brother that's called, I, I can't, I mean, he's got Bruce, obviously, who was his brother, um, yeah. and another brother, but he's called by name that isn't his name as well. So he was <laughs> running the Reoch family, but. But Colin does know absolutely. He's he's forgotten more than than most people know about Aston Villa. He's an yeah. absolute top lad. And then Roy Cavanagh and Carl Abbott's book, uh, Manchester United of the Seventies. 
Uh, they yeah. they pair the guys have wrote loads of books together. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Roy Cavana, I've done a number of podcasts with Roy, and uh, again a font of knowledge about Manchester United. And although it was not the greatest of periods for Manchester United, in many ways it was a great mm. period for United because they got relegated to the second division in 1974. Yeah, but didn't they come yeah. back with a force? And you well, could argue yeah. that, you know, that was the turning circle uh, of United. That was, they'd actually bottomed and Tommy Doherty started to rebuild and then Dave Sexton and um, Ron Atkinson. There's another book, case, Sarah Sarah, written by Warren, uh, Warren Barton. Uh, Wayne Barton. Wayne Barton, not yeah. Warren. Yeah. I said that to yeah. I said, uh, <laughs> Wayne Bar- uh, Warren Barton's writing a book on um, <laughs> it was, uh, George Best. It was the uh, the book that he wrote by George Best. Yeah, true, true genius. True yeah, genius. True yeah. genius. Yeah. I've read that for months back. What's he writing a book about George for? I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's uh, it's Wayne Barton, not Warren Barton. And he did phone up Alan and had a little bit of input to uh, true genius for uh, George Best. But again, George yeah. playing there in the 70s for Manchester United, as did Jim McAlliog, and I think that's going to be an absolutely fantastic read. It's one of those Excellent. coffee table books that you turn over, and yeah. Legends Publishing have done that. They publish some fantastic books. In they fact, do. a number they of they Collins do. books are there by uh, David Lane of uh, Legends Publishing, so absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I read one of their books recently, actually, Legends Publishing. It's an Aston Villa one. It's uh, it's the first volume, the first 150 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a proper uh, coffee table, what I would call a coffee yeah. table book. It is probably one of them. So not just for Villa fans. I'm not I'm not a Villa fan, but yeah. it's a cracking book. Some of the history in there is incredible. Some of the stories I didn't realise in there as well. It's, it's one of the stories I remember reading it is they, um, the guy that actually stole the original FA Cup. Yeah, uh, and it was stolen from a shop window in Birmingham, wasn't it? That's not a killer thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, I never realised that. So uh, I think it, I vaguely knew the story, but I didn't yeah. realise it was in Birmingham. Yeah, well, we uh, couldn't that, win that it, mentioned. so we nicked what Villa do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, great yeah. stuff, great stuff. But now uh, he's great, currently great writing the second part of that, and um, I'm going to yeah. be doing a project going forward with, uh, with Cole, looking at Aston Villa through the years which is a project that we started just before my birthday last November. And I was waiting for a Chinese to arrive, and I'd give Colin a call. We were cutting the podcast together, and his knowledge and his passion for Aston Villa was so great. I said, come on, we're going to have to do something together, and you know, we're going to have to look at Villa in, in more depth, because one of the founder members of the Football League, and of course, William McGregor is yeah. the father of the game, who come down from yeah. Scotland, and that's why Villa have the uh, the lion. It was Glasgow Rangers lion that uh, he brought to Aston Villa, and a great oh, statue. Right. Yeah, outside uh, Villa Park of William McGregor. The ground is steeped in history. I mean, yeah. I'm a Birmingham City fan, but go into the game. You come off the train. I went with my stepson and uh, oh, yeah. his, his little brother um, on on Saturday to watch the West Ham game. And the first thing you see is the Holt pub and then you see Aston Villas, uh, Villa Park. And, it, it, you know, if you like football, you're a general football fan, you Definitely. cannot be in awe of that fantastic ground. 
Yeah, that whole tend is something else, oh, isn't it? Really that is. I know it's quite it's quite fairly old now, isn't it? In terms of the now it's been all seated double tier. Yeah, but it's still quite well. It's, it's dominating in the area, isn't it? It's when just even in the ground, it's quite dominating when you're looking across to be in the way end. Well, I have been in the way end a few it. times as a Birmingham yeah. City fan, and I've looked yeah. at old tend and I thought, blimey, <laughs> you know. But but <laughs> sitting in the old tend now, you think, wow, you know, it's um, it's almost like a, a kind of home now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, things change and fortune change in football. I was second down okay. St Andrews with my dad as a kid. I'm second down Villa Park now as a granddad by my stepson. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'll put Till next time, next can we just say thank you all for listening? And Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking Likewise. for about thank an you. hour and a half about football books. And uh, we will reconvene next month, just before Christmas. Talk yep. about some of the uh, the wonderful publications that uh, are going to be out on the shelves and on uh, on mysfootballbooks.com for people to purchase and read. What are your next books that you're going to be reading this month? Because I'm guessing I'm still going to be on page 111 of Granddad <laughs> and What Was Football Like in the 70s by Richard Crook. Sorry, Richard. Yeah. Well, I've got the the one I mentioned. It's called Red Letters. I'll yep. be reading that uh, shortly. So that's the one where the two Liverpool fans write to each other. And then I've got another one after that, but it's quite a big book. It's called Floodlights and Touch uh, Floodlights and Touchlines. It's about the history of spectator sports. So it touches uh, on other sports as well as football. But it's written by a guy called Rob Steen, and it's from published oh, by okay. uh, Bloomsbury. And uh, it's quite an old book, and uh, I only. This is the great thing about Twitter as well, and uh, the great thing I've been um, doing to my football books is I've seen other people recommending books to me, and this has been recommended to me by someone who I know. Uh, yeah, I've, I've read his recommendations before, so uh, I, yeah, I've bought it, and I've been reading that. And it's uh, it's again, it's another uh, like all crazy now chunk of a book. It's uh, five hundred odd pages, so uh, it'll keep me busy for November. So, um, but that'll be the, the one after that. But it's it's basically yeah to do a history with um, Spectator Sport. Uh, and, um, yeah, I will tell you more perhaps next month once I've finished it. Now, Rob, he's the guy that wrote the Mavericks, isn't he? He is. Sorry, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yes. Yeah, the same guy, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, again, yeah, when I when I think of a book, you you know, um, if you've read one of his other books, you've got a good, uh, it's a good uh, idea that his uh, other books are going to be good as well. So Yeah, yeah I'll just yeah, look at the author and think, Oh, I like the books he's written. Not that I've read yeah. any of them, but I really like the books he's written. <laughs> and I like right, to listen right. to them on a podcast as well. So till next time, happy reading. Yes, I'll see you uh, as we head up to Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All the best, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Until next time. Cheers, Bye-bye. 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 Bye-